I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Packham. Joined this evening by Matt Knight. Good evening. Jay Cross. Yes. And Joe Branton. Shalom. Welcome to the uh, knackered slash jet lagged edition. Oh, I feel the... fine. Well, yeah, <laughs> I feel you've done... great. I'm like top of the world you compared two have done to how I was last week. Nothing. Actually, I've, I've been at work today. What have you been Hold doing? On. Not been at work. I was actually doing the most work oh, I today. don't think so. Uh, I was doing a how big much o- of your day was spent in the big, car? Big old work, uh, about four hours. And how much of that time were you driving? Uh, none. Oh well, I mean, it sounds like you've just sat on your ass. For I was four navigating. Hours. I'm the Chewbacca. Navigating what down the <laughs> M40 and then the M25 and then the M23. Yeah, so- it's difficult. Getting out of Nottingham is really, really difficult. We'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, we- I was about to say, what were you doing? Well, in we've Nottingham? done loads of stuff, but we always talk about me last, don't oh, we? Yeah, let's, okay. Let's start with Matt. Matt, how's it going? Hello. Hello. You've got some good I actually, news. I went, I went to a gig. That's the more important thing than what you guys said. I actually went to a gig. Go on now. then. What gig? Um, I went to see Baroness at Coco in London. Oh, did you go to when that? I, That's cool. I did. And when I walked in, I went, I've been here before. And then I remembered we went to see They Might Be Giants there. We did. Which was probably one of the best gigs I've ever been to. Yeah, that was great. Except we, could, we, like, we couldn't really see from any of the angles because we're all quite right. short. And um, uh, yeah, it was like troubling to actually see the stage. But it was cool. But Baroness was good because it had one of the best pieces of merch I've ever seen, which I nearly bought. And then I was like, mm, maybe, can I Can I do it? They actually had fuzz pedals for sale. What? what? Really? Yeah. yeah, a company who makes uh, fuzz pedals for the, the lead guitarist in Baroness was like... John oh, Dyer Baisley. Yeah, we've made one for each show of the UK tour what? in like limited colors, and then they're like for sale. They're like a hundred and they're like hundred and twenty quid, and I was like, "Oh, that's so worth it!" That's, oh, oh Matt Knight, why didn't you I get know, one? I should have. Did was, they, it, I, was it the one from that night, or was it the one from the night before? No, I, I don't know. No, he's got his own ones, but they'd made one for like. Oh, so he hadn't used it. Oh, that's not cool. He should have no, used, cool. used it the Signed. night before. But they, they're a company called Philly Fuzz. Um, Pardon? Philly Fuzz. Okay. In Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, I think. Um, and I was like, and then I Instagram, I sent a message on Instagram. They're like, oh, send us an email and we'll build you one. So might might get one of those. Because it sounded awesome at the gig. Because he just now uses like just a Fender Twin and that as his main drive sound. And it sounded amazing. Um, did they have a credit card machine there? Because who's taking £120 of cash to a gig? Geez, come on. When was, this is... Everyone. Everybody takes No, if they, they had they, a credit card machine, I would have been way more tempted. They they but definitely would have had a credit cash, card machine. So it made it more nah, difficult. It's, it's, no way it was cash only. It's so, it, like, it's so cheap to take a, to get like a little PayPal credit card thing nowadays. So I, I'm I living get, in the past. In, in the morning, I get my coffee from a coffee shop that doesn't even have a name on the coffee shop. And it's run by this little old hippie guy. And he he actually has an app on his phone, yeah. So you can pay by credit card. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, it's super easy. I think we've lost Matty. No, oh, he's back. back. Matt's yeah. back. Um, so, so what guitar was I he playing? Matt disappeared for a bit for a while, and then uh, I think I came in conversation somehow managed to avoid every question you might have asked me. Well, here's one for you. What guitar was the guy from Baroness playing? Um, so they. The one, the one guy uses an old Les Paul Custom, like a black Les Paul Custom. I think he's got a more modern Silverburst one. And then John Di Basley plays like an old um, 
is it a G and L? Okay. Um, is it a G and L? I can't. Remember. And then he uses like a custom shop first act as well um, yeah. for some of the baritone stuff. I love, but yeah, it was, um, it was first act really stuff. cool sound. They only make ukuleles now. <laughs> really? Well, like the the only place you can get um, first act stuff now is on uh, like Argos's website or something like what? that. What? Yeah, yeah, and, and they only custom make custom shop. No, they don't do. They, it's shut down the custom shop. There's no such thing as first act. Custom really? Shop. Yeah, yeah. It's all. It's really. The is sad this definitely demise, true? Yeah, this is a hundred percent true. You, you can Google this. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's the sad demise of first act. Who used to make some amazing custom shops? I really liked the um, the hollow bodied uh, three humbucking. Um, uh, black sort of 335 style guitar that they made for uh, the Yeah Yeah Yeah's guitarist that was that was great and they, they've always done some brilliant stuff but yeah now it's just like um, uh, ukuleles Spongebob Squarepants themed and, and stuff like that but I think did they were they the company that made the nine string that had the top three strings doubled up um, I think that might be right that, that, that rings sort of true yeah I think uh, I think probably but um, yeah. I'm not sure so yeah. First act definitely don't make the ukulele, the SpongeBob ukulele. Look, by they, the way, it's it's it's. Are you I, thinking of first line? No, I'm not. No, hundred percent first act, and it's not necessarily SpongeBob. I just meant it as an example. Like they do, um, <laughs> they do like you know My Little Pony guitars and things like that. Like just well, Pony, just, just crap thing stuff about the, for kids now. The thing about the, the SpongeBob though, just real quick, I think at one point I remember, I'm sure I remember reading it on like Mi Pro or something that that SpongeBob line of instruments in like 2013 was like the biggest selling line of instruments in Europe that doesn't surprise me at all like all that licensed stuff does really really well no matter what the quality is about two years ago I went into um, is it Bonner's in is that where's that Eastbourne that is a guitar shop yeah yeah yeah, Bonner's guitars in in Eastbourne and they actually had a wall of Spongebob yeah why not like Matt was saying it was massively yeah obviously that's why I mean at the time I was like Oh, this shop's going to shut down. But, yeah. now, you know, now, yes, if they were the biggest selling, then maybe that's slightly more yeah. intelligent than I gave them um, credit but for. But you're right, Joe. They All they do is uh, kid stuff, including band in a bucket. Thank you. What? Um, <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. Yeah. It's not it amazing. Is. It's really sad. First Act, but, uh, First Act were a really brilliant company with a great ethic. It's a real shame. Well, but you know, you know, First Act's band in a bucket includes a kazoo, a kazoo playing instruction book, yep. harmonica, spoons, rhythm egg. <laughs> no, sorry, rhythm fish, egg shakers and tambourine. Wow. I want a rhythm egg now you said it. <laughs> um, I like the kazoo manual. Like, what do you need? <laughs> <laughs> Play I like it. this to spoon. And you can see the hand of the person who took the photo in. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> They also do some stuff for Nickelodeon. Uh, yeah, that was it. Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles uh, ukulele. That's wow, what that's so weird, yeah, isn't it? Isn't it such a sad shame? We should, you know, we're, we're going to at some point start this uh, brand of the week. Yes, uh, I think first act, like the heritage of first act, is is a really interesting story. How they came about and how they went from being kind of like an Argosy Sears company to introducing the custom shop and then making guitars for loads of like top end guitarists and stuff and becoming quite big in like the hardcore scene yeah to then sort of just fading out and yeah returning to this obviously this is not first act anymore the na- you know the, the name has just been sold to to someone making some crap that's so weird but, such a weird story yeah yeah it's yeah. a real shame tell you what isn't crap matt knight you've got a new guitar yeah really uh really odd um like not not totally planned i think for a while i was like oh if you know as always it's like if something cool comes up you know i consider it and then basically a guitar came in um where i work on saturday which is effectively exactly the same specs as the esquire used to have minus the top binding and uh the pickups and i was like oh that's amazing and then the guy was like yeah it's in it's in candy apple red and i opened the case and it was in red sparkle and i was like this guitar is destined yes to, uh, <laughs> yes so what's cool to, um, to me give us a rundown on the spec so it's uh 58 so it's top loading as well which is i think is much better rather than string through body um soft Sorry, why, why do you think that's much better yeah i think it is no no but but why i've, I've never heard I, it I, i've I never heard that I way around be preferable I think it sustains better. I know people say through body, but I prefer the top loading one. I just think it's much, much better. Fair enough. Do you prefer the strings being slacker then? Eh, 
It doesn't just as long as I've set it up all right and it plays all right. It doesn't really, but it's one of those things. I'm like, it probably wouldn't bother me either way, but I'm just like, oh, it's like that, so that's great, and that'll that'll do. Um, but yeah, it's I've, that's not like I'd go out to a guitar shop and be like, oh yeah, I love this guitar, but ah, oh, it's, it's it's only string through, and I've got to play this one. You know, it's just one of those things that it's like if the guitar's all right, and that's one of the minor differences, then you know, fine by me. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, 57 soft V neck profile, um, no caster neck pickup, broadcaster bridge pickup. And uh, So yeah. the best pickup configuration. The best pickup configuration and nine and a half inch radius. Just basically, it's basically a custom shot Baja in red sparkle. <laughs> um, Have you still got a Baja? Yeah, I'd yeah. never sell that. So that what, you, you, there's no way you had the money to do this outright. What did you sell? I sold his, he's, the. He's, they're not uh, buying the house anymore. <laughs> yeah, the house is yeah. the house deal's gone, and uh, the, but s- you got a telly, so it's fine. Yeah, well, basically, there was a guy at work who was like, "Oh, I really want the '60s telly," and he'd never, he'd never spent like more than like 800 quid on a guitar. And I was like, "Oh, well, I've got this custom shop, um, and I kind of, I, you know, I need to sell that really to buy this." And he was like, "Oh, bring it in," and he played it. And was like, "This is exactly the guitar that I want." And I was like, "Well." You know, I'll do you a good price on it, and uh, so he bought that for me, and I bought that. So Amazing. everything worked out. Happy days. That is perfect. Definitely. Yeah, I know. I know. It, was, it like I said, it was like meant to be, and I and I had this weekend off completely. I didn't have anything to worry about, so I played guitar for about twelve hours straight on Sunday. It was great. Awesome. What um what's the deal in terms of the relicking and stuff? Uh, it's like a light relic, but it is like fairly heavy relic. And I've taken the scratch plate off because it looks Wait, actually... it's a light relic, but it's fairly well, it's, heavily relicked. It, it, it's light on the top, but it's quite a the kind of... The neck looks pretty heavily relicked. Yeah, like the neck is really relicked and a couple of the edges are really relicked, but the rest of the body is like hardly any marks at all. How old is but it? But in an odd... Uh, 2008. Right, okay. Cool. So it's and I also took the scratch use. plate off because it looks really cool without the scratch mm, plate on. I think you're wrong there. What would, what would come with it? A mint scratch plate? A white one oh. did not look yeah, good. Yeah, no. Oh, no, I'm and into that. I'm into that. On a red sparkle, oh, a nice crisp uh, white scratch plate is all right. Oh, Particularly a, a one-ply. I'm into oh, that in a big you're, way. You're such a fool. I'm into I, I think with red, red sparkle is one of those odd colours. It's like, what colour scratch plate could you put with it that would really work? I would have thought mirror. mint or parchment. Mirror. Mirror. Yes, mirror. cracked mirror. The, it was like that. Um, there was that Matt uh, Matt Bellamy court, wasn't it? And cracked mirror, but it had lasers underneath, so like laser beams came through the cracks on the front. Yes, sounds awful. Because when you're playing Wembley Stadium and you're not actually doing anything, you know, you need to still look good. The that, only that mirror movie. scratch plate that I ever bought was one for my P base, and as soon as I put it on, at least <laughs> three of the screw holes cracked as soon as I tightened the screws up on it. It was like this is pointless. This is just rubbish. It did look good until no, you look closely, and then didn't. it looked really rubbish. Um, but from the stage, it looked pretty cool. Yeah, was, that's not true. Yeah, it's it, cool. I, I can assure you, it did. I also had a giant Especially M made out of made out of silver, uh, like sparkly, like oh, weird yeah. gaffer. <laughs> had like a giant M on the front of the base as well. Yes, I thought you said a giant hen. Yeah, I just a like, giant why hen. Have, why would you have a giant chicken? Yeah, giant cock, just right on there. <laughs> anyway, um, so. Um, Jay Cross. Hello. Have you done any guitar stuff this week? <laughs> um, just uh, let's let's do a little inside baseball before we start the podcast. You said, <laughs> "Do not throw to me and ask me if I've done any guitar stuff because I haven't done any guitar stuff." What's the closest thing you've done to guitar stuff this week? Um, I'm putting on a show on Friday. Yes. Oh God, yeah, you're playing. What's the um, deeds? Um, what else have I done? Um, I uh, had a great conversation um, about um, my Space Echo. That was good. Okay, um, who with? Just with a mate of mine. Okay, what was the conversation? Uh, he threw up a. Uh, <laughs> he threw up. He just threw up. <laughs> <laughs> he threw up a, uh, a picture on Facebook of the random tone generator and was like, oh, this is cool, isn't it? And I was like, yes, you should get one. Because I tried it through my space echo and it sounded amazing. Have you still got a random time generator? No, no, okay. I just borrowed it. Okay. Um, have I done anything guitar related? Not really. I've been really busy. It's been okay. a busy week. Okay. I had to go back and visit my mum because it was Mother's Day. Just I hope she's not listening because that makes it sound As if like... she's going to be listening. Let's hope she isn't listening. We not just about... for this instance, but just the general vibe. I mean, we're interesting. Yeah. 
Mm. You know, it's the sort of thing people can put Debatable. on a daily commute. Debatable. Definitely. It's not exactly Radio 4. Anyway. No. So you've done nothing guitar related? Um... Don't think so. I played a bit of your guitar earlier today. You did, yeah. It's yeah. Sounded great. My guitar's yeah. really good. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't this week. I've had a bit of a week off. I didn't have a band practice. Um, yeah. Listen to a lot of guitar music, though. What have you, what you I tell you to? what, I tell you what's great okay. that I listen to this week that I'm really into is, and I know that you really don't like them, is this band Sheer Mag from Philadelphia. Um, they sound like Thin Lizzy, um, but today. They sound like to that, but like with, like they definitely don't with sound like, like with that. like seventies recording techniques. Um, but the guitar player plays like a Schecter or something. Nice. Um, there's one guitar player who plays like like a seventies Fender, and the other plays a uh, plays a Schecter or something. Um, but they they're great. They put out a new record this week, and it is absolutely banging. It's so good, and the first two were brilliant, um, and they weren't as good as I wanted him to be when I saw him a couple of months ago um, so I was a bit disappointed I'm, they're playing another show in London in a, couple, in a couple of months and I wasn't sure about going to see him but this new record is well good so I think I'm going to go okay but honestly they sound, they sound like some of the guitar work sounds like Thin Lizzy but they're a punk band from Philadelphia in 2016 so I want uh, if you're listening to this podcast go and check out Sheer Mag and put up a review of their most recent record in the Facebook group to prove that Jay is full of nonsense because I'm telling I, you I think they sound like a bad punk band they don't they, they are great great guitar work they're such a good band such a good band that's the weekly challenge for the Facebook group okay. this week the reviews of uh, the Sheer Mag album sheermag.bandcamp.com I think Joe Branton yes you were not here last week no I wasn't how was the podcast hey it was alright what did we do last week we spent yeah. quite a lot of it talking about how you weren't here. Oh, that uh-huh. was great! It oh, was so good. relaxing. Like it was, it went like without any hitches. Do you know what? Last week, no it's cuts. Pro- it's probably my favourite podcast we've ever mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. It was great. Uh-huh. Sure. Jay, Jay read out the um, Patreon people, and I their did. names actually got read out correctly. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Dude, that's not going to happen today. Didn't <laughs> accidentally call someone a knob. <laughs> Call him a knob. Did I call him a knob? No. You, yeah, I think you sort can. of skewed someone's name. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. Um, so, Joe Branton, where mm. have you been? Why were you off last week? I went to um, I went to Southern California okay. uh, to see uh, to, to see my my girlfriend who was working out there, and and uh, we stayed with a couple of friends over there, um, and they live in Riverside, which is um, just outside of LA and the closest town to um, Corona. Okay. Corona, that is right. Corona, yes. Corona, Corona yes, California. Yeah. Corona, yeah. California, which is where the Fender Factory is. So I um, I went to the Fender Factory. I was able to sort out with um, the Fender guys before I left, um, getting getting me on one of the tours over at the Fender Factory. And so I went over and, and checked it out, and it was pretty cool. So they've just installed, or installed, they just opened the visitor centre, what, a couple right. of years ago. Yeah. What was that experience like, before we dive into the factory uh, factory stuff? Well, the visitor centre is essentially um, maybe uh, three or four rooms um, in in a building opposite the factory. Okay. Um, and it's just, uh, it's full of some great stuff. I took loads of photos, so I'll, I'll up- upload loads of things. I'm going to write some stuff on it as well, So, but I'll up- upload loads of photos to the group. And it's got some really great things, including like um, Leo Fender's first um, attempt at an electric guitar. The you see, it, it's, it's kind of a, an Esquire, but with a three-by-three headstock. The Snakehead Tele yeah. prototype. Yeah, that's right. So they've got like, you know, one of those in there and some really crazy-looking custom shops and, and interesting examples of guitars throughout the years. There's There were like a really, really awesome example of um, a, a custom shop 51... Uh, P base, which I nice. was really, really into, and and sort of as well, all their amps. They've got every amp they ever made, sort of out on a podium and things like that. Every so amp. Well, it's it's a, an awful lot of amplifiers, okay. including some of their crap ones. So you know, it's, it was. So I assumed. <laughs> was, was, was there a cyber twin there? <laughs> I didn't actually see a cyber twin. <laughs> okay. I've been getting a lot of just quickly. I've been getting a lot of heat because we put um, the cyber twin in our top ten or top five guitar fails on yeah. YouTube. And Bizarrely I, enough, I actually spoke to a customer. who was like, oh yeah, I need to I need to upgrade. I'm thinking about getting 
getting this Mustang 3 because um, I currently use a Cyber Twin. And I was like, oh, we were just talking about it. I, said, I love it. Best thing I've ever owned. I was like, There's wow. so many people on the <laughs> comments of that YouTube video like, don't be attacking the Cyber Twin. Oh, don't be yeah, saying I mean, that. Of all but, things, said, but of all things, like of all amps that are available today, the Mustang 3 is definitely not, like irrespective of how bad the Cyber Twin was, the Mustang 3 is not an upgrade of a Cyber Twin. Well, I don't know. You say that. I think in terms of modelling, it probably yeah, you is. Weren't, you weren't around when the Cyber Twin was uh, was out. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty rough around the edges. But yeah, in the comments, people were just like going after me because I oh, said man. that dared to say that the Cyber Twin wasn't the greatest amp of all time. Wow! And imagine all, being one of those people. Well, imagine all, living th- a life where you're a guitarist and think the Cyber Twin is a viable <laughs> option to amplify your guitar. Well, the other Jesus thing was Christ. in the in a kind of Give a, up. in a slightly kind of snidey remark at one of the end of the uh, at the end of one of the bits. I think when we were talking about the Mode Four, I kind of said that the Hughes and Kettner Warp Seven yeah. was the worst new metal amp, and loads of people have gone <laughs> after me for that as well. Like, what are you saying about the uh, Warp Seven? Uh, no, great amp. Still got yeah. it. No, still yeah, got it. Do you know what? That is why so many great records and amazing <laughs> famous musicians play Cyber Twins <laughs> and and mode several whatever the. What about the guy from Crazy Town? He was using the uh, the Warp Seven. God, it's just such he a was, skew. Oh, well, I've spent no money on this rubbish amp, so it must be good. <laughs> what a ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, sorry, it really, really ticks me off that people think the Cyber Twin is any good. Should we? I think we should do a segment every week where it's called "What Grinds My Gears," where Joe just goes off on one. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. So four, so, four. Oh, I hate four, four. Four, four is the best. Four, I think the thing is, is, is that, as you said in the video, though, it's like that stuff is still good stuff. It's just that it just really like failed it's just, in well, terms of like. Yeah, and to be honest, it's, yeah, in the same sense we were talking about the you know the Defender Elite series that like there is no and a lot of people fussed about that, but there is no arguing that the the simple fact is Fender had to be sold after the Elite series yeah. came out because it crushed them as a company. This is the original so, Elite series, yeah, we should no, say, not the current American not Elite. The current. I mean, all I'm saying is they're all just of rebranded this before, and all of this will happen again. No, I think they'll escape it this time. <laughs> Fender is uh, in. Well, slightly better shape than it was, I guess, in the 80s. But, yeah. um, and they're also much better guitars than yeah. the original elites. Well, they're just rebranded deluxes. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so, so they yes. had nearly every amp they've ever so, made. So yeah, that's right. And they've got all their guitars up on the wall. They have this main room that's just got all the guitars and a nice little bit of information on them on the side. It's a really interesting big room to be in. I mean, you know, it was absolutely nothing that I didn't already know I hadn't already seen but it was really cool yep. just to have it all in one place. And then they had a couple of separate rooms. They had, um, they had one area where they have a, a chap who's involved in custom shop design who's actually working and coming up with ideas, and you can go in and chat with him and see all the stuff um, that's in there. I, I, I thought it was quite... He has a few example bodies and necks and things that he can mess around with. I thought it was quite amusing to see that there were a number of those... Um, um, what were they called? Sandblasted... They were the worst things. No, I quite like Super those. cool. Oh, Super well, cool. Fine. Anyway, they had lots of them, which means they evidently didn't do well. But And, and they also had like a, a demo room in there where they had loads and loads of stuff and some interesting things because obviously it was, it was kind of a demo room. And so I completely understand that they'd probably put a few things in there that were maybe trial runs and stuff okay. like that. So, what, so, so are you in there? <laughs> yes, exactly. So <laughs> didn't quite but, make it to full production, eh? <laughs> clearly. But they uh, they had like a, they had things like um, a stuff that that is the layman would assume was a, a a production line, but had like subtle things that were a little bit different. So they had things like a, a five string dimension bass um, that had like a um, a heavy relict neck on it. What? Think, yeah, yeah, it was mental. Like it was, yeah, really bizarre little sort of. It was obviously a bit of a bitzer. Okay, but um, it was that's, quite cool. That so, sounds cool. Yeah, that was great, and loads of amps in there for you to plug into. Um, um, I was there with a friend who was also a bass player. We got maybe sort of five ten minutes in that room before some chode came in and plugged in a Strat and started playing Blue Standards. But you know, it was it was it was really good up until that point. Um, what were you doing playing a bass like some sort of math on bass? I was slapping like, a bass. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But then, anyway, that that's kind of the visitor center. So they've got all that sort of stuff sent, set up. There's also you can buy all that those um, crappy trilbies that uh, Fender sell and all their uh, oh yeah, they've got the the lifestyle products. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. But you can also buy like pickups and and soft cases and hard cases and things like that. What about the? Cool. Is that where you do the design and buy your own American guitar in that bit? Um, 
I don't know actually. Where you can go and like you can do online, where you go, oh, I want a Daphne blue body with a rosewood neck, and I want these frets or that thing. I imagine that they you do. can do, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they had like a, a wall in there that had like loads of charts on it on the okay. individual parts. They didn't have any examples of them there, but yeah, that was quite cool. I thought that was just a a great. It was basically like. If, if anyone's ever bought like a Fender encyclopedia or things like that, it was kind of like an interactive one of those, which is really good, I think, for people to get a grasp of Fender and what it was. And they had these long glass walls of all these um, custom shop guitars that famous players have cool. had, which was really great, really interesting. Um, I imagine that building's great for someone, say, like my dad or something, who's like, interested in music, but like isn't super nerdy about guitars and if you know if he was in the area and it was something that he went on it would be like a really good introduction to like the history of Fender but without going into like in this year we got bought out by CBS and then this happened and then the factory workers bought it and that sort of like not too much detail that's that's exactly what it was and to be honest it was full of um it was full of like you know um guys with their family and stuff who who were who were wandering around and it was a bit more family friendly yeah. I think than, than the rest of it than the tour was because the tour was a bit more sort of you know looking at the individual bits and bobs um, but yeah anyway after we um, after we sort of had a checked out the uh, the visitors centre there's a there's a tour which um, I think it's only it's like 10 or 20 dollars to, to do the tour I got mine sorted out through Fender oh well but, there we uh, go but you know they, you, there's, it's not expensive to go on the tour they do sort of like groups of 10 people or so and um, you have a tour guide um, who basically takes you through the the whole factory so it shows you every bit of the process from where you've got people pressing um, uh, the the metal work so the, the the bridges the the jack sockets and things like that um, through to um, through to the wood shop where they're um, they're cutting the bodies and it shows the the machines that they have um, just two machines for each of the main body shapes. Really? Yeah. So all the strats are just done on two machines. Two machines. All the two machines done on two machines. Yeah. Which really? Is they they only they do they put out three hundred and sixty guitars a day. Okay. That's in total. That's that's well, strats, so tellies, jags, jazz masters, what, from the custom bases. No, no. This is this the is American Corona. Country. This is Corona. Uh, right. yeah. Well, I mean that's that is pretty bonkers because when because I mean. Six years ago, nearly now, when I went to Gibson, they said that they were doing six hundred a day. Yeah. And when I went to the Martin factory, they said that they were doing about six hundred a day. Wow. You yeah. would think that more than three hundred and sixty mm. Fender guitars get sold every day. I especially, was really surprised, especially considering you know they're they're I mean they're modular guitars. They're easy to relatively easy to build in comparison to say a Martin or a uh, uh, oh wait no sorry. Um, I think it was 600 Martin guitars out of the Navajo factory, so out of the Mexican factory. Right, okay. Uh, or maybe it was. No, maybe Although, it was out of there. I, I can't, don't know, anyway, though. But, Gibson, their Nashville, their standard plant does 600 to yeah. 700 yeah, 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 guitars yeah. a day. And actually, when you think about that, that, that is a lot. That oh, is a so lot of guitars for the factory to have boxed and ready to go in one day. But there's not 300. Forget, a lot let's not them. forget that Fender have a Mexican factory, which yeah, I'm sure oh, is yeah. turning over over double. I was that. just about to say, that's, sure. that's all the Gibson guitars, basically, because Gibson reason, don't make anything elsewhere. The reason elsewhere, that, that you know? Fender produce so so few is because whilst the, the bodies are cut to... Um, to a you know a, a, a buyer machine a, a mathematical machine to make sure that they're all exactly the same um they are still hand sanded oh yeah i'm sure they, yeah yeah and, of course yeah and these guys like had you know very little in the way of um robotic assistance when we were sort of in that bit to watch them um watch them actually sort of sanding down the bodies and then the finishing is still very much um a hands-on um, sort of, you know, thing. They're, they're they're still really. It's it's a sort of one guitar at a time, one fella spraying, sanding down, spraying again to get the the gloss finish. So walk us through the process then, which is what I assume they did in the factory. So uh-huh. when uh, talk us through how a guitar comes to being. Okay. Um, well, the well, I mean, the first thing they very much had like a separate area which was metal. Um, the metalwork side of things, what um, like super strats and stuff. <laughs> very good, hey. very good. That's where they met the Jackson and Charvel models, right? Yeah. Um, well, there they had. Um, that was kind of where they were making all the hardware, and they also explained that you know really that's that's what kind of defines the American factory from 
the Mexican factory is that they don't outsource any yeah. of these parts. So they have, there were maybe five people on quite large machines that were pressing all of the individual parts, all of the bridges for tellies and for strats and for P bases and jazz bases, all independently individual items being done. And they have like um, a quota, a list quota that they have to, um, they have to work to. And they were showing me the presses and uh, th- that they use for the guitars and they are, 50 year old presses that they're really? they're using for those which is bonkers isn't it for, for all the American yeah. vintage stuff um, which is great it really kind of reassuring about the American vintage range especially which I think you Mark have given some flack to in the past but I just thought that was very very authentic that you know these aren't just you realise that these aren't just like cheap rough reproductions of, of they're what, actually using the same machines yeah yeah exactly so which was really cool um and yeah then through from there we went into the um wood shop which first of all showed where the necks were made and they just have like stacks of the um the plain pieces of um of maple um that they then cut to neck sizes um which was quite cool because they had loads of like they had um uh, sort of big walls of various um, various necks and things that were all just hanging up in some form of being finished, having frets added, things like that. One of the cool things that the guide actually did show us was he took a um, a strap body that had literally just been cut, and then he took um, a a neck that was fifteen years old and showed that it fits perfectly really? into oh, yeah, the that's cool. Um, that's cool. so for those listening to the podcast Joe is flicking through his holiday snaps yeah. as a, uh, just to remind as a me, reminder yeah. but yeah this picture is awesome he's literally just like slotting an, what's obviously an old neck into a body that looks like it's just come off the production line yeah and line. it literally did he took it straight off of the production line then there and slotted it and showed that it was perfect just to show how like because he was saying you know that there, there is maybe a little bit of um, flack that comes to uh, Fender's top end stuff for using machines to cut their bodies um, but actually just for the fact is Fender are trying to make modular guitars yeah. and these are perfectly modular and they've always they've always said that you know yeah. that's always yeah, been the, it's always been the point yeah exactly so um, so yeah so that was really cool they showed us sort of where all the bodies get um, all the bodies get cut and uh, um, and then sort of through to the the people that actually sand the bodies down afterwards um, to get rid of any rough edges and that literally was benches of a couple of guys with ear protection and sanders and um, white lab coats by the yeah. looks of things yeah everyone was wearing white lab coats which was um, a little bit weird and then they show the, the bodies after that they have um, they actually use the um, the neck uh, drill holes to drill in these handles into the yep. into the body so that they can then hold the guitar by um, by a handle in order to spray it um, without you know having your hands on the on the guitar, which was which was pretty cool, and they literally they spray them, and then immediately sand them when they've dried, and uh, and then spray them again with the with the gloss coat. And one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The whole roof of the, 
um, of the uh, warehouse for like as far as I could see was was hanging guitars that were drying a bit like you know I you know I don't know so. an episode of Dexter well because yeah. I, I think <laughs> if I if I remember rightly did I not I, I mean I mean you were there so correct me but don't they like put it on the production line and it goes round the factory that's and right. dries in the ceiling yeah, and then by the right. time it comes down it's completely dry and then ready to go exactly yeah and they showed us sort of that working and that moving round which is just I thought incredibly efficient kind of use of space and do they, uh, do they give you any indication of how long they're up on their drying um, they didn't know oh he showed me the nitros which don't move around they just leave them there hanging because they take a week okay um, oh right wow. and he was saying that they maybe do like for the nitros which is the American vintage range the custom shop are dealt with slightly separately they're very much painted in their own one off individuals yeah. but the American vintages they're maybe doing 15 a week because, really? because nitros take so long think about how prolific the American vintage yeah, is yeah. and that they do an American vintage Mustang Jaguar Jazz well, not Master Mustang, not a Mustang Jaguar oh, no 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 I've never oh, done right. an American vintage Mustang oh, okay. but Jaguar and Jazz Master Jaguar Jazz Master Strat and a few Tele, Strats and Tellys yeah. couple of P bases right. couple of Jazz bases and like, just what a yeah. tiny amount to be putting out but that's, um, yeah that's a lot of people doing um uh Running exercises, you know, like stretching your stretching your hamstrings. What? Yeah, yeah. We walked around the corner, and literally, there were these three women who who were there. The the employees they had painting the guitars were doing like stretches. And, is uh, that because they're on their feet all the day? All yeah, day, yeah. And the guy was explaining that Fender have very strict rules around like making sure that you don't get repetitive strain injuries. So, so you have to go and do your ten minutes out of every fifty. You have to do these stretches. Really? Yeah, which oh, was, that's really cool. Oh, it was really cool. Yeah, it was like I thought it was a joke at first because it looked like these these ladies were getting ready to run off, but they were they, they were actually <laughs> we've just, had yeah, enough. Yeah, exactly. But it was really cool when they took us around into the custom shop area and showed us some sort of examples of like finished guitars. Um, and took us into the actual custom shop area where there's the sort of 10, 12 guys. Unfortunately, there was only team-built stuff being, do, being done that day. But we got to see some really lovely, especially very nice um, aged, um, uh, I would say Pelham, Lake Placid Blue yep. um, strats and things. But they were, yeah, really, uh, really cool. Uh, really interesting sort of bit of the factory. And a few things that we saw that weren't, yeah, sort of released. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, some there was some just because I could see it on the runs, and I don't actually. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure if this is released, but a complete range of um, I think it was Aztec gold matching headstock, um, jazz masters strats and jazz bases. Isn't there an American vintage in gold now? There is, Matt. Um, there is um, not matching headstock as standard. Yeah, these were matching headstock. Right. Okay, so yeah. it could be FSRs like factory special yeah, it run. Could, could well be, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, there was some, there was some super cool stuff there, and some really like random things like tangerine jazz bases. Yeah, and, candy yeah. tangerine. What a color. Yeah, it was, what a color. It was pretty rad. But yeah, that's uh, that. That was sort of about it. So it took us. Uh, it just basically took us round the, um, the whole factory and showed us the complete process and finished with the with the custom shop um, which was just really amazing to be in that one sort of little booth area and you realise it's small like yeah like it's just an office like there are two desks in there for them to make the guitars on if you um, if you follow uh, Dr. Wilson on Instagram um, that's uh, what's the guy is it Dale. Den- Dale, Dale Wilson sorry yeah is the Dale um, Wilson is uh, one of the master builders there and like his Instagram kind of gives you an overview of what he's doing every day like the guitars that he's building every day and his little office bit his little area looks super small but like the guitars that are coming out of there are so cool he definitely builds I think my favourite stuff out of the custom shop yeah he, he builds some some cool stuff yeah they, um, what they, a cool job though like if you love building guitars <coughs> imagine that just being like obviously you've got like certain customers spec guitars built but when they come around to like doing the NAM stuff and they're like just do what you want just build something crazy and they're like okay they, like, imagine how cool that would be in the um, in the entranceway to the factory itself they have um, they have a little plaque with the name of every single master builder and an example of his work so yeah. they had like Yuri Shishkov there and um, and Greg Fessler and 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 yeah that 
Cruz fella, who John, I always call oh, Ted, yeah, Cruz, Cruz. Ted, Ted Cruz, accidentally. Ted Cruz is the politician, the Republican, the, the one who eats candidate. snot. Yeah. <laughs> who eats snot? Did you not see this? Oh god, oh. this is going to be an internet thing, isn't no, it? No, Let's he, not do this now. Genuinely Let's... ate his own snot accidentally. Okay. This sounds horrendous. Yeah. So, did you do any other guitar stuff while you were over there? Um, well, I was actually I was staying with <laughs> my with uh, with my friend JD, who is a podcast listener, and he's Hello, also JD. Uh, and he's also an Eden endorsee. Okay, um, and uh, a bass player who has um, a, a loads of really cool stuff. I sent you guys a couple of pictures of some of the weirdest stuff that he had in his little studio He's at, at his house. good basically. collection of, of stuff. Yeah, so there was like things like he had one of the old um, uh, one of the old Big Muffs, the black Big Muffs with the... Um, oh, the Russian one. The Russian one. Yeah, the Russian ones, but it was it was with a JHS um, oh, it's got, it's mod modded. on it. Yeah, okay. which what, is pretty yeah. What did the mod do? Yeah, they did some mod. Uh, I think it was just a like a blend, okay. The mod, um, which wasn't all that interesting, but then, uh, but just some really cool stuff, including <coughs> an Arc ECC. Anyone know about these? I have no. It's ART. That's not. Oh, Arc. is it? Yeah, that's no, ART. Oh right, sorry. ART ECC. Okay, what is it? It is one of the first ever multi effects pedals. Right. So this thing was crazy thin, like really thin for a multi effects pedal everything is done through like a tiny little LCD screen and sort of you know scrolling up and down to pick effects I like that when on old multi-effects when you've just got an LCD that gives you like a number yeah. and then they have to write yeah. on the front of the uh, effect on the front of the pedal like what effect matches that number yeah, exactly so I'm, I'm showing everyone a picture right now but I'll, I'll upload it onto the group half of the top control of the board is a massive grid trying to explain what every yep. number yep. represents but the most interesting i thought were the were the foot switch buttons which is something that loads of famous players go for on their custom boards a style of foot switch that exists on loads of famous players custom built boards but it's never really made it onto standard foot pedals and that's a kind of very large round rubber um Foot switch that has one of the standard sort of MXR electro harmonic style like underneath. Underneath, yeah, it's kind of like protection for those big sort of metal buttons. So you can play it barefoot. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, did I ruin that? For <laughs> no, you? no. But it's just weird, isn't it? It looks cool. Like I see it on um, on uh, on Fripp's uh, pedals that he gets made by um, Pete Cornish. Pete Cornish and and you know and a few others. But they're yeah, it's just it looks great and. Um, JD was explaining that it was something that pretty much only came out in the States and uh, and is now way more expensive than they were when he picked one up for, you know, sort of a hundred bucks or whatever. It looks bizarre. I mean, yeah, it looks completely... super like 80s, late yeah. 80s. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't trying to be, um, I wasn't trying to be divisive there. Oh, no, I, no, I genuinely think that that's what it's for. I, maybe, I, yeah. I actually saw um, on one of those Facebook groups this week, someone had modded their um, ESA, I think. I think it might be in the ESA users group. I don't know. It was one of those one of those groups where someone had modded their their pedals so that they had larger um, what's larger buttons. So that, for that very reason, so that you could use them barefoot because, like you know, you try and tread on like a you try and tread on a uh, one of those little switches when you're not wearing shoes, and it's just a bit. Even thinking about it, sort of. Oh God, oh, I don't like it. Don't like doing it. And um, I think it, you know, if if you're, you know, in a if you're in a rehearsal room a lot, or you're, or just playing at home, or just playing at home, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those things where it, oh, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. You've got to wear slippers, and that's not very nasty, roll, is it? You know, Matt, I mean? you probably know actually. What's the company that makes those uh, kind of pedal button enlargers? I have no idea. I've, I've seen them everywhere, and I think people have just been like creating some weird DIY stuff from like B and Q or something. I don't know if there's actually like a company. I'll look into it though. There's been some weird stuff like that on Kickstarter as well. Like people are like, oh, here's this Kickstarter I've got for this foot pedal for your guitar pedals. And it's like, I need 20 grand. It's like, that's never going to happen. No. Um, Joe, you thought you just brought up a picture of something else that. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. The, the, best, the best thing that he had on, on all his stuff um, was the uh, an original harmonic percolator. Um, 
It's Abs. the pedal we always rave about. Yeah, really great. I just think the idea of having um, sort of fader style controls rather than rotary knobs, I've always just found them loads more usable and it is just a wicked sounding pedal. Harmonic percolators, just get one. I mean, if you can't find one of the old ones, I know Third Eye Pedals do a copycat. I think there are quite a few companies now that there do. Are harmonic percolators but yeah interestingly enough um because jd was an eden endorser he obviously had loads of eden gear including loads of eden pedals okay yeah is exactly. that a thing yeah apparently mm. so they do like a complete range including things like uh uh the california <laughs> auto war and okay how did that sound i mean it sounded like an auto war but actually really good so the <laughs> pedals were all really well built um, it, it kind of like checking out and messing around with Eden stuff over the weekend gave me a sort of a, you know, a new respect for a brand that I really thought had fallen by the wayside. But so Eden are owned by Marshall, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Were they sort of swallow? I see. I thought they were just sort of swallowed up by Marshall. Mm. But were they just bought by Marshall and allowed to sort of continue being their own thing? That seems to be the case in uh, in the States, yeah. Very much right. so, they're their own thing. Actually, next next weekend is the London um, bass show, and I know JD's coming over from California because as a... Oh, um, as an as endorsee. As an Eden endorsee, they're having cool. him over to, to you know, oh, right, cool. be on the, on the stand and everything. But nice. yeah, so they seem to be very much still quite an independent little company they're just very much us based now there's not a huge amount of stuff available here is there not really i mean the things that are very successful are their ec series they did like a um a range of of combos and uh an ec 300 um head which were they they were all just you know um class d um amps and and combos for bass but they were incredibly cheap and you were kind of getting that there is a quality assurance with Eden that's that's very very high so they were extremely budget pieces of equipment where looks was as i think is always the case with Eden gear looks was the last thing they were considering <laughs> yeah and uh, but a- but fortunately sound was one of the first so whilst whilst they're covered in carpet and genuinely look like the sort of amp you would buy in 1982 fortunately they have a price point that reflects an amp <laughs> nice. you would buy in 1982 but actually sound Sounds quite good. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Well, uh, time to reassess Eden. Yeah. Try some out. Exactly. Um, so the reason that um, I was in Nottingham, as Jay alluded to earlier. So I also, I had to think about it. It's definitely not the M40. I think it's the M1. It was the M1. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry, people who live on the M40. M40, M4. No, it was M1. Um, and drove up there yesterday because I was hosting a session at a place called Confetti, uh, which is a kind of like a technical college, like an ICT college. Um, and they were having a thing this week called Industry Week, where they get people from uh, creative industries to come in and chat stuff to their students. So why were you there? Uh, yeah, exactly. Why was I there? Well, actually, I was there as a kind of go-between, basically. Uh, they obviously heard my amazing presenting skills on this podcast and wanted me to host a session called uh, Guitar Heroes, um, which is weird because guitar nerds, random heroes, <laughs> guitar heroes. Um, so, yeah, basically, um, it was a kind of Q&A session uh, with the students there um, with three guitar players, Mikey Demas from Skindred, uh, a chap called Bernie Tomei, um, who was the guitar player with Ozzy Osbourne for a while, but also was in the band Gillen with Ian Gillen from Deep Purple, um, and a guy called John Fairhurst, who is a kind of, I guess, kind of folky blues kind of guy. Um, and yeah, I learnt loads about guitar stuff today. I was like hosting the session, and the students kind of submitted questions that we could ask them. And chatting to those guys over the course of an hour and a half, we just talked about loads of guitar stuff. Um, Really, really different setups. Like, Bernie was real classic kind of rock guy. He was using a Strat, just three single-coil Strat, into a Marshall Vintage Modern and a Marshall 412. And, like, through the course of the session, we were kind of like... Oh, what you know? Why did you choose the bits of gear that you you chose? And you know, how's it changed over the years? And he basically went, "I love Jimi Hendrix. I loved Jimi Hendrix when I was like sixteen, and I've never ever played anything other than a Strat and a Marshall." Wow. Yeah, and well, actually, that's a lie. He said that he once owned a Les Paul and he used it for one gig, and it sounded shit. 
So he was like, no, I'll just go back to the Strat. Um, and it was, he was like such a cool old school guy, like loads of really cool rock and roll stories. Like you should check him out, Bernie Tomei. Um, and yeah, his setup was uh, just a Strat, like it, it, I think it had a neck replacement. It was like clearly an old body, but it had like just a parts caster kind of neck. Um, into a Russian Big Muff, which is weird, the second time we've talked about it tonight, um, into a noise suppressor, because he was like, oh, yeah, I love the Russian Big Muff. Awfully noisy. Um, so I'll just... <laughs> he had a NS2, and then just into, yeah, Vintage Modern, which is a Marshall head that I kind of forgotten about, how good yeah. those Vintage Modern heads were. It's a shame they don't make those, because they were... Because they were basically single-channel heads with, like, two different voices, weren't they? They were... No, right. not really. They kind of worked like a... Um, like a channel patched uh, JTM or a blues breaker in that they had that kind of high gain and low gain going yeah, in into the front end and then a kind of master, like a channel volume essentially. So you could kind of, if you want a drive sound that was like kind of toppy, you'd crank the high gain and then just bring up the low gain. Or if you wanted something chunky, you'd bring up the low gain and then leave the high gain down. Um, and by high gain and low gain, I don't mean like amounts of gain. It's like the two channels essentially within the amp that are patched and you they could w- kind of blend them together are they patched as standard yeah yeah so there's, there's literally there's only one input oh, right, so okay, it's just, right. it looks like a dsl 50 yeah um but then you've got the amount of each kind of voicing presumably a vintage voicing and a modern voicing not really no you had like almost like a bass gain and a treble gain right okay um, and then just a three band EQ like really simple and I honestly think we talk you know about the DSL 50 being kind of like the last great Marshall but these I think are kind of up there like the way he was using it today sounded really good um, and yeah from that weird period of Marshall when they were releasing like the Haze series and the MAs and the Mode 4 well, those... no no it's like way later than that it was only I guess oh, yeah. in the last 2000, few... 2007 yeah oh right wow yeah. when they were first announced but they were like KT66 driven so they were like really? proper vintage Marshalls yeah wow um, I don't know because I'm sure they had like Slash endorsing it for a while they had loads of people like endorsing it yeah and then they just like kind of cut it off and I think it was at that point where the Tiny Terror had kind of obviously was then, you know, had just come out because yeah. obviously Tiny Terror is 10 years old this year. And I think people were going, oh, maybe 100 watts, 50 watts is a bit too loud. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where they've gone, wow, if we could really get this down to like 20 watts or, you know, 30 watts, we'd be laughing. But they only made 50 and 100 and, and combos. And I think ultimately people stopped wanting amps that sort of size. I think it was yeah for for me I was really surprised by the tone because I kind of forgotten how good they were and he was just getting a great sound out of it today and they, they came out at the same time I think as um, JVM and the Hayes and the MA series it was like all around a similar time and they just kind of got lost mm. a little bit but actually they were kind of a really really good amp and for someone who wanted kind of classic Marshall sounds and the way he described it today he basically said like I've got a couple of late 60s JTMs um, I can't take them out anymore because they're obviously really fragile and this is the closest thing Marshall have made because it is like patching the channels having that high and low gain settings or high and low gain blend type thing um, so yeah that was that kind of really blew me away um, so one of the other guys was John Fairhurst who is um, yeah kind of blues and kind of finger style played very much in the style of like Sunhouse so like a Delta yeah, yeah, that's player. what he was playing today. He actually plays a variety of things, but he um, he had like a really nice old national resonator, oh, okay. um, which was sounded beautiful. Um, playing it through a valve preamp into just a little acoustic amp, little Fender Acoustic Sonic, uh, and straight out to the PA. Um, and again, like really blown away by his tone. Really, really nice. That I mean, it's an old national, so you kind of know that it's going to sound pretty good. Um, and then obviously Mikey Demas from Skindred, who uh, is an orange endorsee, uh, and d- he took a couple of gym roots, um, gym root tiny terrors with mm-hmm. him, and was using those, and also was doing some stuff with Axe Effects as well for for effects and things like that. What guitar um, was he using? He was using his guitar, his, the yeah, the his weird strat or the telly, the telly, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got an orange strat as well. Now. Oh, he had, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. So he was using, yeah, white. Well, it's 
it's originally, I think, a black Mexican standard telly with two kind of rails pickups in there. I think they were Seymour Duncan. One of them might have been Demacio, but that's sprayed. A, and I think it's a strat neck. It is. It's like a 70s style strat neck, yeah. like big headstock. Like the, yeah. the finish on the back is kind of completely gone. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he was explaining today, like, basically, if you're a left handed player, you don't really have any choice so his yeah. favourite guitars are ones that he's kind of put together from bits yeah um, and yeah most of the white spray paint on the back is now gone and it's just back to the black telly and he's kind of like yeah it's just most of it's ended up on my jeans to be honest um, he's lovely he's a cool dude yeah really cool I, um, actually drove uh, up to Nottingham and back with him so I think we're going to try and get him on the podcast at some point um, awesome and yeah overall really really cool session like the, the guys there um, the audience and the, the kids at the college were like just really interested and it's really cool to see I think it was 300 people wow all, all with like all totally silent while people were playing and talking and also a really mixed audience as well like probably 50-50 guys and girls wicked um, which totally I was really silent as in asleep whilst this no no started. no they were really engaged <laughs> with it and like afterwards loads of people lined up for um, like signings and things like that so yeah it was cool and I think the session is going to go up somewhere you'll see me presenting and you'll see the guys talking about stuff I'll put that in the Facebook group somewhere cool it's going to be uh, it's going to be good should we do some news nude Nudes. Good. Um, (laughs) So, first up, um, Fuzz Rocious pedals uh, have announced two new pedals the Anomalies Delay and the Feed Me EQ. Matt Knight, have you got some details? Yes. um, Fuzz Rocious, the awesome pedal that if you pay extra, you can have their child paint it. Oh, that's. uh, I still think. I thought it was cheaper. Fuzz Rocious. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's made out of fudge. Um, yes, it is. No, yeah, I they also do a pedal called Ram the Man Parts, which I thought was yeah. is um, is brilliant. And um, they they also for Nam did a special edition of that called Ram the Nam Parts. <laughs> That's a much better name. Yeah, um, it's the other way around. I thought Matt Knight. I thought it was cheaper if you let their kid paint it, or they'll paint it properly for full price. Uh, either way, you can have their kid paint it, which I just think is yeah. absolutely hilarious. Yeah, because because I mean, if you have just... the kid paint it, it doesn't even say what the controls are, which is great. <laughs> but no. like their kid's like three, you know. But it's wicked. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the other way around. You can have like some proper, really cool artwork for full price, or save like thirty dollars and have their kid just go mental on it. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's, I kind of want that, and then you can just stick a label on it later. Yeah, of course. Um, but anyway, the first one, the Feed Me, is a programmable EQ slash preamp uh, with basically four um, tone stacks with 12 variations on each one, um, giving you a total of 20,736 p- uh, combinations, you know. So that's what I need definitely... for my, uh, my 57 hour set. I need all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, like just four. Um, so it's two high pass EQs and two low pass EQs with a volume and an overall tone, and it's just sort of designed to basically be like a really shapeable EQ. So you could stick it before drive pedals and kind of change the way that your uh, drive pedals are going to react with the tone. You could stick it right before your amplifier to kind of change the way your amp reacts uh you know you could basically put it right at the end of your pedal board and alter the whole way your pedal board's going to sound and um, so great for recording as well so if you're reamping things or you're going straight into an effects loop and um the other one which is the delay i thought was very cool because it's a standard delay with just basically time and repeats digital but there's a second foot switch I think it's analog, actually. Sweet. Um, but what what it does is you've got you stand on off foot switch, and then the second one, depending on how you set a tiny trim pot inside, either quadruples the delay time or halves the delay time. Um, so you can just have a you just basically set a set a delay, tap on it, and then it will um, basically either completely slow down or completely speed up. That um, sounds great. What a brilliantly yeah, useful really feature. Cool. Yeah, and then basically there's a little trim pot and you can set inside so all the way one way does near quadruple time and all the way the other way does half time so I'm assuming you can kind of set it sort of in the middle somewhere and it would probably do something a bit 
Do you know? Do you know how much the anomalies is retailing at? They aren't available yet. They're only doing them in runs of twenty-five, and their website just says coming spring twenty-sixteen. Oh but man, that I sounds reckon, like a pedal to own. I reckon they'll be well. The feed me is one hundred and fifty-five dollars. Oh, actually, their website's saying, although no dealers have got it yet, they're saying $155, which I thought was, that seems pretty pretty cheap, really. That is for that. A, yeah, that's great for something that but does Actually, that. all their pedals are, like, apart from one, are all under 200 quid. Amazing. Nice. One last uh, bit of news this week. Uh, Bare Knuckle have announced a brand new pickup, the Impulse Humbucker. Matt, have you had a chance to have a look on the, uh, the spec? Yeah, it uh, looks like a toaster. Yeah, I saw that. It looks exactly like a toaster. <laughs> I was like, I mean, if you're going to design a pickup, I mean, you probably would want it to look a bit like a toaster. Um, from a metalcore band that I'm really sorry I've not heard of called North Lane, um, but specifically designed for people who use um, sort of really thick string gauges and like really high gain, basically. And the problem is, is when you're using really low and really down-tuned strings, if the pickups are too higher output, you don't get enough clarity. Um, so they're actually relatively low output, or lower than what you'd expect for, you know, maybe the style of music that, you know, the, the guy is in. Um, but specifically tuned so you get a lot more mid-range. So with too much treble, Obviously, you lose all the bass definition with too much uh, low end. You basically, it, everything sounds really mushy. Um, so there's loads of mid-range, which basically helps the guitar come through. So if you're kind of a seven, eight, nine string player, um, you can, you'd be better off with a set like this. Because that's the nice thing about Bare Knuckles, is they'll basically make any style of pickup they make in any configuration. Um, like I had someone the other day order some of the strap pickups they do, but for an eight string, which I was like, wow, that's that is mental. That like is eight mental. Strings, eight string strap pickups. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they're basically like, well, you know, if we even if we don't list it, if you just tell us and we'll just if we make that pickup already, you know, they make a humbucker that you like, but you need it in a in a nine string. They'll just be like, yeah, we'll just we'll do it. Bare knuckle, That's always to the yeah. rescue. Um, on on the note of pickups today, um, I, I discovered something quite interesting with the um, the Sustainiac okay. pickup that's in um, in uh, some Schecter yep. guitars. Um, do, do you know the concept of the Sustainiac? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, so it's like a reverse Ebo, basically. Exactly so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we tried turning all the volume off on the guitar, so it was just acoustic, but it's plugged in. Yeah. Then picked a harmonic on one string, even with the volume off, and you can activate the Sustainiac. So you can hear that harmonic ringing and starting to fade out. Turn on the Sustainiac element of the pickup, and it immediately like, yeah. comes back like an Ebo, even unplugged. Like, yeah. And just well, not unplugged. On. It has to be plugged oh, in. Oh yeah, sorry. Even with the, the volume turned down, like it's just it lasts forever yeah because it's, it's the most bonkers I mean you describing it as a reverse Ebo actually makes that sound way less impressive than I thought of it because I wasn't thinking of it as a reverse Ebo yeah yeah you think it's kind of of this mental pickup that just vibrated strings forever you think of it as an effect that's happening in the guitar but it's actually not it's a physical thing it's yeah. moving the string so yeah. it's yeah. just a really strong magnet really yeah. isn't it yeah yeah. yeah. It, also, they exactly haven't updated that. their website since about 1993, um, <laughs> and it is the Space worst Jam. looking com. thing I've ever seen. I need to check that out. Yeah, I that mean, it's basically like Space Jam. Matt, put um, that in the Facebook group however, when you get a minute. I will do. Um, also, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I, I've come across this company called Pedal Genie that are a bit like um, Love Film uh, used to be were are um, where you could like basically obviously order DVDs but you can order pedals on a subscription and then they just send them to you and then you just keep them for as long as you want and then they send them back and then they just send you the next one you want that's weird let's really? investigate that how weird is, is it that? only available that, in the US or is it available here it's only available in the US at the moment right okay. but that is mental you basically just like they've got like three four hundred pedals to choose from wow like Everything like what, like as much as you'd expect from like one of the biggest like pro guitar shop or something in America, where they've got loads of different stuff, and you basically go, yeah, I want that, I want that, I want that, and depending on what your subscription levels it is, you can have one, two, or three at a time, and then when you're bored of it, you just send it back, and they send the next one on the list. 
Let's investigate that. We'll talk about it next week because we're up at time. We're going to go and do a Patreon episode where we're going to answer some of your Facebook questions. Um, if you want to get that, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. Um, we're from as little as $5 a month. You get an extra half an hour of Guitar Nerds content every week. And from $10 a month, you get your name read out on the podcast as one of our executive Patreon backers. Thusly. Jake Cross, can we, can we do it one each? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. How, what, like a... Yeah, so it'll be like a call and repeat. So I'll go first and okay. you go second. So I, I've got the first one, you've got the second one. Okay. And so forth. Andy McNobsey. Joe Depto. Eric Nobry. <laughs> Paul Corrigan. Jack Nobry. Dale Rasco. Jack Nogroy. Will Clare. Chris Nobson. Scott O'Brien. Matt Nobine. Fletch Fletcher. Phil Nobset. Laurie Anstis. Moog Nobbit. Colin Anderson. Well done. There we go. No one feels left out, hopefully. That's everyone has been knobberised. Totally caught me off guard. <laughs> and with that, I think we should uh, we should call it a night. If you want to um, head over to the Facebook group to submit your quest- questions, facebook.com forward slash guitar nerds forum. Follow us on Twitter at guitar nerds on uh, Instagram at guitar nerds and also on Periscope actually at guitar nerds. Um, we just got delivered today a sound card that w- we can use with a phone. So we're probably going to be doing some full demos with a real nice sound um, <laughs> a real nice sound properly mic'd up and everything properly uh, you know not just using the phone mic over at Periscope so at Guitar Nerds on Periscope you can follow us individually uh, me at Mark underscore random Matt Knight at Matt underscore Knightsy Jay at J-A-Y-B-M-1 and Joe at Joseph underscore 900 thanks very much and we'll see you next week bye Ta-da. bye This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.